Hey guys, it's just me on today's podcast um, because Madge is on a tropical island somewhere sipping cocktails for his honeymoon. Um, on today's podcast, we have Jay Cox, founder and CEO of Hostile Handwear. Hostile is an Australian-based company that specialises in handwear and racewear in all action sports such as motocross, BMX and mountain biking. Head over to hostilehandwear.com to see the exciting range that Hostile offers. Hope you guys enjoy today's podcast. You want some more of this bitch? Welcome to the Three Kings Podcast, where everyday blokes act like kings. I'm just a regular, everyday, normal motherfucker. I told you in the first song, I'll tell you in another. Hey Jay, thanks for coming to the studio today. What brings you up to Queensland? Hey man, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Um, I I come up uh, to visit some family and just have a little bit of time off work. So me and my partner just come up for about four or five days or something. Yep, nice. Yeah. You're staying in Surface, Broadie, where are you staying? Uh, staying right in Surface. Um, my grandma actually lives pretty much right in Surface. Um, so, and I think my mum's like in Southport or something like that. So, usually we just stay in um, in Surface and then that way I can get to everyone. And and it's just, it's easy for transport, like when you're not from here, yeah. um, to be right in the centre. Yeah, nice. So, we'll get down to it. What came, how did you come up with the idea to start Hostel? Um, well, basically, it kind of started with I tried to buy a house, um, and the broker kind of laughed at me about it, <laughs> and um, I, I thought, you know, I didn't think it, re- yeah, I just thought it didn't really matter too much on how much you earned, it was more what you brought in. Yeah. Um, so I had what I thought was a lot of savings at the time, but really, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't. Um, but anyway, so I got knocked back on that, and then I had a bit of money, and then, I didn't have a personal car because I sold my personal car to get that money. And I always wanted a Mustang. So I ended up buying a Mustang with the money and then I had a little bit left. And I I actually brought an, a set of gloves online for another small business, which I believe is gone now. Um, they were a small glove business. And it was a Black Friday sale. And I got two sets of gloves for maybe 15 bucks. And yep. I was like, whoa. Like, you know, it's a bit... Now that I've now that I am where I am, it, it doesn't make sense. But at the time, I was like, "Oh, they're, they're making money off fifteen dollars. <laughs> like they must be getting these for like fifty cents." And, and now I realise sometimes you sell things less than what it costs you. Uh, but at the time, I'm like, yeah, they're definitely making money off this. And then, so um, they turned up, and I was like, "Oh, these aren't that great." But like for fifteen bucks, oh, Jesus, oh, have a microphone malfunction. Yeah, so I, I was like, yeah, they're still making money off it, whatever. These aren't that great, but for 15 bucks, man, these are awesome. Um, and I was like, why can't I do this? I was like, i got a little bit of money there. I can't buy a house. What am I meant to do with it? Um, so then I just started looking into it, um, researching it all, and then, and yeah, just kind of found a few suppliers, played with a bit of product, and, and that's kind of, yeah, how it started, really. And did you start with gloves only because it so it wasn't such a big outlay? Or uh, yeah, th- exactly. Yep. yep. Is that so pretty much the only reason you started with gloves? Um, yeah, it was. So, and that's why I chose not not the exact name Hostile. Um, I started with like forty, and we kind of shuffled them right down. Yeah. Um, but that's why I chose a name like that because um, I didn't want to restrict myself to just gloves. Yep. So I can always just get rid of handwear. Or, or just keep it 
and I don't really care if I have that on, like I don't have to have handwear on the jersey yep, or correct. something like that. Yep. So it doesn't really bother me. Um, and, and like I kind of think having the handwear there sort of shows everyone where the company did start yep. and like that I have grown sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it was just gloves because that's all I could financially afford. Yep. Um, and it was like, there's always that niche glove market in motocross. Um, so that's that's kind of the idea as to why and reasons as to why it just started with gloves. How hard was it to find a manufacturer that you kind of liked? Like how many did you go through before you were like, these are the guys that I want to use? Um, I think it was the first or second one is the one like I've stuck with. Pretty good. Day. Yeah, yeah. I did try other ones. Like I, th- I, think they, I think they were the first. And then I was like, well, okay, this is the only product I know. So regardless of me liking this product, I'm going to try another supplier um and they come back like not as good or um you know the different variations to it or whatever it might have been um but i i I, it was like one of the first or second suppliers it it is it is quite hard to find a supplier yeah and as soon as you start making the product and you have a website and an instagram page and all that it suppliers just dm me like i'll get six seven suppliers dm me a week and be like, oh, we can make you a product cheaper and this and that. And I'm like, I'm not interested, man. I'm, you know, this guy stuck with me when I started, and and I'll I'll stick with him. And you know, we work we work pretty good together. Yeah, but it's all good with going. Oh, I'll get it cheaper. But as soon as like we we've seen it with a lot of, not even motocross companies, but just yep. other companies. Once your quality starts going down, bro, not like yeah. it's a really hard to come back from. So when people go, oh, I'm spending thirty bucks on a set of gloves. And then lasting me four rides, people stop using your equipment real quick, and it's really hard to come back from. So, yeah, yeah. it might be cheaper. It's just mm. not yeah. good for the company, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly where I'm at, um, and and the reasoning to everything because they were they were actually, I think they were the most expensive company. Yeah, um, I could have got gloves made for half the price. Yeah, like easily, probably even less again as well. Um, but I like the quality and. Um, yeah, like they actually had high MOQs, like my minimum order quantities yep. um, for that reason because they probably knew that their product was, you know, on par with some of the big brands out there. Yeah. Um, and it's probably not worth them making two sets of gloves for someone <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. setting – because like when we got our shirts made, mm. like it's all good and all you get the shirts made but then you have to get the screen prints done and you have to get everything and by the time you do it, it's like, man, there's no point in me doing 10 shirts. I might as well do 100 shirts because it's – it's not actually be cheaper than getting 10 shirts made. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. So, like, for example, for me to get a sample glove, like, and I'll, I'll sample every single colour yep. um, off experience. Um, but, yeah, I'll do one sample glove will cost me about $100 Australian. Yeah. So I get, like, seven gloves, each new design, maybe seven to ten or whatever. There's 100 bucks a glove. Yeah. Who in their right mind is paying $100 for a motocross glove? Yeah. Not a, not a road bike glove or, or anything with Kevlar or carbon on the knuckles. Nothing like that. This is just a material. Yeah. And yeah, I pay, a bit, it's around $100 per glove. Um, but then when you go to your bulk order, it's it's nothing like that. Yeah. And how, how was the sizing when you started? Was it pretty good sizing or did you have to go, uh, hey, we need bigger sizing? Or Sizing is pretty good. Um, one thing that I... I've kind of noticed is you're never going to please everyone with sizing. Yeah, it is, it is actually ridiculous what some people expect from you. Uh, like, I can I've bought say 
I don't know, two Calvin Klein shirts, right? It's the same company. And I've got an extra large and a 3XL. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not complaining about it. Like, yep. you try it on or you check the sizing chart. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Or like, but, yeah, it's – so you're never going to please everyone in that aspect and that is so ridiculous to try, I think, sometimes. Like, I do I do try and um, – like, if someone asks me, I'll say, oh, yeah, look, my sizing's a bit like this, but, you know, there's – some competitors where their large is not the same as my large. Yeah. But then, and and if that, say, customer has worn that brand, they're just attacking me with that. Correct. But if you wear the five other brands that I've mentioned, they're all the same size. Yeah. So it's it's so hard in that aspect. But the sizing is is pretty correct. Um, it can, it might be a little bit small, but it is it is like so the gloves themselves talking specifically about them they're they're like a high stretch material yeah so they should be tight you don't want bunching and, and that's the whole concept of it like you're not well, trying I, to, yeah, yeah i like a tight glove like yeah. if i would say if i got a different brand if i was normally a large i'd actually go down to a medium because yeah. i like yeah. a tighter glove there's nothing worse than having a loose glove when you're trying yeah. to ride so i do like a tighter glove yeah well the, the, just a little bit off topic but about tight gloves um, you'd be surprised what size Mossy wears. Yeah. So he'll he'll run a small. <laughs> but he, when I first started dealing with him, he was wearing larges. Yeah. But he would just downsize and downsize. And somehow he fits in a small. His hand's about the size of mine and he fits in a small. Cutting the tips out the fingers is on. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what he does, but he, yeah, he fits in them somehow. Yeah. yeah. Well, going back to the sizing, where we were saying you can't please everyone. Mm. Me and Madge play a bit of golf. I'm not a medium and I'm not a large in my golf club. Yeah, I okay. actually get a medium large golf glove. Yep. So yep. like it's you, you know what I mean. Like you can't really, mm. especially because you're not a massive company. It'd be impossible yeah, yeah. to because there'd probably only be a few people that would run a medium large glove compared to running a medium or large. So it's yeah yeah yeah. So it, it's pretty hard to please everyone, but you still get people that complain regardless if you try and please them. Yeah, well, that's it's always gonna you're always gonna have that issue. It doesn't matter what company you are, what industry you're in, whether you're a trade or or a retail or a wholesale, whatever it is, there's gonna be you can't please everyone. Yeah, um, it, it's it's that's probably the hardest thing with owning something or, or being a director or whatever it might be is like you try to please everyone. Yeah, and you you try not to take it personally. Um, that's something that I found was very, very hard. Yeah. And it still is, but I can do it a lot better now than, you know, when I started. <laughs> you, know, you tend to just take everything personally. and Yeah, you just go, fuck off, mate. I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like it, go buy it from somewhere else. Yeah, or well, it's... Yeah, you hear, it, you hear it enough now that you kind of... You get a bit tougher skin. Yeah. And you can... You know, like I try to be as professional as I can with every single response, but... You know, sometimes you can be like, look, man, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's you didn't just buy a $5,000 car or something. It's, yeah. It's a $34 product. Yeah. It's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, but we've had a few people on the podcast that have got businesses and everything, and we always ask the question, like, how do you deal with those customers? And they said, you just have to be polite and pretty much just tell them it is what it is, mate. Like everyone's going to complain about then if they can find something to complain about they'll complain about it so and it falls everyone that we've had on it it's like their baby so they take it very personally and it's people don't understand that but it's like you feel like they're attacking you not the product yeah yeah, 100 percent. i can 
vouch for that a million times over. <laughs> it's it's your baby, and and as soon as someone says something bad about it, it's like you take it as someone said it about you directly. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah, like in any doesn't matter what you're doing, any type of business, you, you're always gonna, you know, whether you're a cafe or something, you're gonna. Someone says this this coffee sucks. You're yeah. Gonna, you're gonna take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> and how did you come up with the designs? Do you design them yourself, or do you get a, get send it over to someone to design them, or? Um. So all the designs are out of my head, basically. Yep. Um. But so I work real close with Rach from TNC. Ah. Uh, yep. And she was with me from day one so everything was like my idea or whatever but like rach helped me design the logo yep you know and, and every other variation of the logo um but usually well, how how it goes is I'll, I'll have an idea and i'll have like you know maybe references so at the start when i guess she was not as busy and and i was just starting um i'd actually she'd stay back at work and i would do my nine to five job my trade job and then i would drive to her shop and then we'd stay back at night from like i don't know six till nine o'clock at night on like a tuesday or whatever it was whenever we both kind of could fit in our schedules and um we'd just sit at the computer and i'd be like this is what i want and this is my idea make this pink make this green this pattern whatever and then i know nothing about computers so then she would just do it all on the computer in front of me and i'd be like no no no, not that that's not what i meant yeah i want it like this or whatever and then there's also a lot of times too where rach would because she's very creative yeah um, she'd be like no no just let me do this one or okay we'll do that exact one you want but i've got an idea of a variation and then she'll do that and then and so as much as um it is my it all the ideas are probably stemmed from me or every idea is stemmed from from myself um she does chuck her own input flair on a lot of things yeah um and it's and i look at that like so like for myself say if i in one thing particular like say if i get tattooed right um if my my artist is like "Mm, that idea sucks that's not gonna work um i take her advice and i'm like okay like what do you think and and every time that's happened she's it's turned out better than what i thought so when that happens with rach as well because i'm like look this isn't my, you know, this, you're very good at this. You do this full time. Yep. Um, like designing and stuff. Um, I'll take her word for a lot of things. And and sometimes like we'll put her design, her variation of my design back to back with my one and I like hers better. Yep. So pretty much the core design is from you, but then Rach yep. just uses her expertise to kind of sharpen it up. Yeah, 100%. So she'll do all like the, the PDF files and stuff like that and the graphic design, everything that I can't do. Um, and that, that's how it was in the start and that. And then, yeah, she'll, she'll either do it exactly like I ask or, you know, if she thinks different, um, she, like I said, she'll sharpen it up to her, her variation of it. Um, I think the good thing is me and her have a very similar idea of style when it comes to, say, motocross. Um, so we work like our ideas just sort of flow within each other. Um, and then now, like down the track, um, like it's just all done through emails. So... I'll just get a heap of reference photos um, and I'll just email them over to her with like dot by dot explanation or sometimes maybe it's not dot by dot. It's a bit blurry. But um, <laughs> yeah, because now, now we're both pretty busy. Um, yeah, it just all goes through emails and then she'll shoot me back a design and we'll kind of like how you design a graphic kit. Yeah, perfect. That's sort of how we do it. 
That's what, that was coming into my next question. So, is hostel your only job, or do you have a a job that you do primarily full time, and hostel is kind of your side gig? Or um, yeah, hostel is one hundred percent my side gig. Um, I am an air conditioning tradesman, and I've, I've been doing that for I don't know fifteen years or something. Um, that is solely what gets me keeps me going. Yeah, um, I actually don't really like hostel pays for itself now and um just kind of funds itself but um for my everyday living my you know me paying the mortgage or the bills or anything for me to go ride on the weekend all that is funded from my full-time trade job a lot of people think starting a side business whether it be our podcast or hostile or whatever is easy obviously it's it's not and it's very tiring Mm. when you get into tough times with hostile or what kept you going on, you know what, I'm going to pursue this, I'm not going to give up and keep on going because obviously it's a, a lot mentally when it's not your full-time gig. What kept you going when you hit tough times? Um, probably the love for motocross, I think. Because um, I, I, so once upon a time I was going to start my own air conditioning business and then I kind of sat down and thought about it. I thought, look, I don't love this. I don't I don't get up and I'm like, I cannot wait to put this air con in. <laughs> you know, like so... And and I'm I'm pretty understanding of how much effort goes into running your own gig, whatever it might be. You know, it's all the same whether it's online, retail, products, whatever it is. Uh, it's a full time, flat out job. So, um, yeah, I was never going to go down that route. Um, and then I think because I love doing it is what why I can keep doing it. Um, and funny funny enough, like I always think about when I sometimes when I pack orders. Uh, and I and I send the customer their tracking number. I'm like, I wonder if they're checking what time they're getting this email. Because like I'll like before we come here, I've been on night shift, and I finished work early that night because I had a six a.m. a uh, seven a.m. flight, so we had to be there at six a.m. Um, I got home at twelve a.m. or twelve p.m. whatever it is, yeah. and then went to the garage, picked orders, and then packed them, and then sent emails out like one a.m. And then quarter flight at six, like oh, seven, sorry. So like I'm like, I always wonder like, do these people are they checking what time they're getting these emails? Like are they just like, is this is this guy off his head? Yeah, well, like, you know, like when, when when we I ordered some gear for you, I I do check it because I send emails early in the morning because I get up early and send emails before I go to work. Yep, yep. And I I seen it some of them come through ten thirty, eleven o'clock at night. I'm like, <laughs> what's he doing sending stuff that late at night, bro? Yeah, I'm like, seriously, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> I'm in bed by eight thirty. You're like way past my bedtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it does it does help. Like with my partner, she um she will she will get up and pack stuff, especially like with this night shift I've been doing for like last six seven weeks. She'll I'll usually because the orders usually come from like after work, and that's when I'm starting at the moment. Um, so I'll just like take screenshots and send it to her and I'll get home and she's packed it all. Um, and then probably 99% of the orders from online, um, she's the one that takes them to the post office. I say, or the post box or whatever, whatever it might be. Like, so she helps me out like so much that it'd be, it'd be a lot harder. It'd be 10 times harder if I do it all on my own. Um, yeah, it's just it's just whenever I have the time. Like, yeah. and if if I'm sitting on the lounge and an order comes through at ten o'clock at night, well, I'm probably not sitting on the lounge at ten o'clock. But <laughs> I, I could be in bed. Like, I've got up out of bed to go run to the garage and, and quickly pack, pack an order. Yeah, because yeah. I know I know what I'm like, and 
I'm I'm tired and slow in the morning. Yeah. Like I get up early and I like I'm a try to get everything done in the morning and finish early sort of guy. So, you know, but I'm I'm aware that I'm pretty tired in the morning. Yeah. So I try and just do everything then and there when it happens so then I can rest later. That makes sense. So yeah, if it yeah. means I can sleep in an extra half an hour then and I pack the order at ten o'clock at night. That's, yeah, that's but sort of how I operate. But even if you go, oh, I'll pack it in the morning. Nine and ten times you never forget to pack it in the morning before you go to work, and then you're like, oh, I better pack it when I get home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's hard, it's hard, but yeah, it's um, I just sort of do it at every. So I also like to pack things straight away as well because I look at that's something that a customer might appreciate is how quick they get the product yeah definitely. like i'm not waiting until i get 10 orders and then i'm sending it all at once like i'll do every single one individually and if and every morning if there's something at the front door me or my partner will take it to the post office well i think that's what amex store has done really well is yeah. that you pretty much when you order it it gets packed because people are impatient these, yeah. this day and age yeah, yeah 100%. like a lot of the older listeners like my like ourselves well, remember buying stuff off BTO Sports in America back in the day when, yeah. when our dollar was good and you'd yeah. send it and you'd have to wait almost a month before you got your gear. Yeah. Like that was just standard. You, you'd send the order in and you'd be checking the tracking number yeah. all the time and it'd be like, so that was just normal. But now this day and age, everyone expects everything within 48 hours. It, it's well, insane. It's, yeah, everything's gotten so much faster and, you know, like there's stuff like Uber Eats. Like you can get food at your door in half an hour. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like that food just got cooked and it's at your door in half an hour, you know, so... I think um, everyone's kind of expecting that with everything. Yeah. And, and COVID, I think, really fast-tracked that. Like, made it, like, you know, postage was everything during that time. So, are you mainly online or do you have any gear in stores anywhere? Or? Um, no, I'm, I'm both. Um, it's probably mainly online, I would say. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is a few shops um, and they come and go and, and whatever else, but... There is one shop locally to me that's been stocking stuff and they they sell a heap of stuff. Um, you know, I think because... And I think they work so well because, you know, people um, people can relate to, you know, someone local. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, they get, they get like people come in off the street like tradies after work and they're like, well, yeah, this guy's, this guy's a tradie too, you know, like and he lives 20 minutes down the road. And people are like... Okay, well that's cool because he's having a go. Yeah, they can kind of relate to they you. They can yeah. relate, and they sort of want to, you know, back the underdog sometimes. It most, I think, it, it more so when it's local. Um, you know, that that doesn't really work when it's a shop in Queensland or or something like that or wherever else. Um, but yeah, there there are shops. Um, like I'm pretty sure there's a shop in Brisbane or something that stock it. Um, so I I did know every single shop. Yeah. Um, because I was distributing everything myself. Uh, but at the moment, MCS is, they're doing a little bit. They just kind of pick and choose, I guess. I have to, you know, do stock everything and it's no contracts, no deals, anything like that. But, you know, they have got some shops and I don't even know where they're going. Like they'll just say, yeah, we need 10 sets of gear or whatever. And you just um, send it over. Yeah. So I don't know all the shops, but there, there is a few. Yep. Yeah. It's still pretty low key. Yeah. So majority just online. Majority is online, and and majority of the shops are New South Wales. Um, you know, there's people that would have never even wouldn't even have a clue what hostile is. The race that wouldn't even have a clue who I am, or not me, but the brand. Like you wouldn't all, even know. Well, when we're doing a bit, I was doing a bit of research, obviously before the podcast, and yep. knowing how many different 
like not so like non-mainstream brands like obviously everyone knows like the thors and foxes and everything like there's a lot more gear brands popping up yeah um so it it is kind of a market where it's struggling to get a hold of it because everyone's jumping into the market now where everyone wants to do yeah. a gear brand yep. it's hard to kind of stand out from that market now yeah it is and i've noticed that from just from when i've started hostile um how how many other brands have come about um and that were before me and may, might not have lasted or, or whatever else um but like i yeah it's just i think it's become a lot easier um for people to do that and i think like i said covid you know people needed stuff to do so you had all the time in the world to research suppliers and you know find out all that stuff and start designing gear and um and then i think the world's just rolling that way we're like you know, some companies, not necessarily must like I can do it, but not at the ease that a lot of these other smaller companies can um, due to their suppliers. They can do like sublimated stuff like for anyone. Like I can get a single order and do a sublimated jersey. Yeah, well, that, that, that was one of my questions is that have you ever thought of going down the motor graphics where people can design their own gear on site and get it pretty much a hostile, a custom hostile kit where they can add their own logos, add that like their own jersey print into your still get a jersey print, add the jersey print in like the pros or anything. Have you ever thought about doing something like that? I haven't I haven't really thought about doing it like the idea has, but I haven't really wanted to entertain the idea of having anyone design their own thing. Yep. Um only because that's my logo still on it. Yep. Um and you know, like it does mean something to me if, you know, someone was to put some you know, not ethical on it or something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Something like, that doesn't align with your goals. Yeah, and yeah. Like and I'm, I'm like not that. interested in just making three hundred dollars to and then, but it's something where I'm like, I don't agree with. Yeah, correct. You know, I'm not really in it for the money. Like, I I want it. Yeah, that's so. But with with the sponsored riders and stuff like that, I, I've just been able to start doing that. Um, and it is such a process. Yeah. Um, and I think I think if I if I could do the graphic design myself, um it would be so much easier. But at the moment, you know, it, it can get hard because say the rider might be sponsored by this graphic company, but I work with Rage. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, I can't design it myself. Like I can, like in my head I can or on a bit of paper with a pen, you know, but I'm like, I need your graphic company to, here's my PDF of the jersey. You, they need to put your logos on it. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. I've got to wait for that and then it's got to get sent to me. Get approved, then, yeah. Then it's approved, then it's production and then shipping and, and you know, so it's a, it's a long, 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 long process. Um, but it is so much better. Like the sublimation is really cool, especially when they're like national riders because they tend to have a lot of lot of personal sponsors. Yeah. And and that, when you've got a lot of prints on a jersey, it, it tends to stiffen it up and it's, it's a bit uncomfortable and it also restricts the airflow going through the jersey. So... I think um, it's a mad idea for, you know, all those guys and, and I'll do it as much as I can. But as for just kind of saying here's sort of like a canvas setup, like here's a, here's a website and you can design your own thing. It's not necessarily something I'm – it's yeah, not really no. the route I want to go down. It's not saying I ever wouldn't, but, um, yeah, it just doesn't really phase me right now. And what's the process like, say, if like um, one of your writers come to you and said, hey, Jay, I need – this jersey done and I need this logos printed in and my name printed in and you send it to your supplier. What's the turnaround times we're looking at? Like what would um, well, they obviously don't only make for me. So it does depend on their workload. But if it if it's just sample stuff, like well that's that's what they call sample stuff. It's a one off. Um, 
maybe two weeks, two and a half weeks or something. Like once I have the design and it's proofed and everything, by the time I send that to them, I can probably have it in two to two and a half weeks. That's not too bad. Yeah. Usually the longest time is getting the graphic designer to design it. It's probably the longest time because they've obviously got their workload on. Correct. And then, you know, they're not really benefiting from it. But yeah, also they'll do the design and then email you and then you'll be busy. So you'll only email back and then the day later than they'd, yeah, so. It's a lot of third party stuff um, where it's like, you know, the guys that I sponsor and Rage sponsors or the girls or whatever, um, that it's so much easier just because we work, like we, you know, me, me and Rage are good friends. So it's, I can literally text her and be like, man, sorry to bug you but i need this done you know can we fast track this whatever and um yeah, it's a lot easier when it's someone sponsored by rach and myself um but yeah it's it's good like the jersey's come out really good and, and the turnaround is pretty quick once it's made it's just there's a lot of emails there's so much behind the scene emails and uh, how, how's stocking go? Is stocking pretty easy to keep up with or is it... Um, no, nah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard. That's something I probably still struggle with to this day. And I'm sure a lot of people get annoyed with me because I'll go online and, you know, I've stocked something and then it's just sold out. You know, like, <laughs> but it won't be the whole range. It'll be one size is sold out in like a week. And then I'm like, oh God, now I've got to gotta do another order. But I've got so much gear left over. But that one size is gone. And, and... I swear it just always works out like this. Like I will say they're size 30 pants, medium jersey. I found that started to be popular. As soon as I restock that, then no one buys it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, here we go. And then, um, and it's also trying to pre, like pre-think of what the sizes people might want. So there's so many different, obviously so many, like it's not like a small, medium, large shirt. You got, a, well, for me, I bought a set of gear thinking I'm still a medium. Yeah. And I went 32 pants, medium yeah. jersey, thinking I, I hadn't put on that much weight. And then the medium came on and I looked like the biggest idiot because the jersey was that tight. You could it's see right, me fat yeah. rolls and everything. And then I had to get a large, <laughs> had to yeah. get a large shirt. But it's just like the combinations is so hard to... Well, that's... Yeah, and I find that with um with kids too. They can get some weird sizes because yep. um, they're growing so much. So like some kids will be in adult knee braces. So yep. then they're getting like... Um, like as an example, like Jack Nunn, um, he he wears a twenty eight pant in youth, and I think a medium jersey. But the twenty eight pant matches a two XL jersey. So, but he he has really I think he wears he wears POD he wears pod knee braces, and um, I think they're quite a big build. I, I don't have myself, so I'm not one hundred percent sure. But um, and I think that I think he's like almost in adult sizes. So he wears like the biggest youth pants I make. And then he wears the like the medium jersey, <laughs> and that's just what fits him. And because um, like because kids grow and have growth spurts, and yep. you know somewhere Under Armour, somewhere the armor over the top, you know that changes jersey sizes. And you know it's just it's crazy with the kids because yeah, sometimes they get like really different um, sizing. And a lot of times when I get an order and I'm like, oh, that doesn't match up, I'll actually email before them. I send it, I'll email <laughs> and be like, hey, just want to make sure you didn't make a mistake or. And a lot of times, like, no, 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 that's that's all we want. I'm like, okay, well, I, I just wanted to check. I don't, I don't want you to have to deal with the back and forth uh, postage and stuff like that. Yeah, and then you're not just becomes a massive hassle rather than sending an email. Yeah, 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 I can send an email, and if they reply in a day, you know, it, it just it halts one day. You know what I mean? Which isn't that big in the grand scheme of things. So, how many riders do you actually sponsor or help out? Oh, uh, help out, be over a hundred. 
yeah. easily, like 150 maybe. Um, man, I got that many codes for online. Yeah. <laughs> so many people, yeah. But um, it depends. Like, to there's a few guys that I, I really sponsor quite seriously um, and I, I go to the extent of, you know, maybe like a contingency sort of thing. Unfortunately, I still can't pay anyone. Um, I'm just not, you know, like I need to keep the business running and there's not enough money in the business to have a sign-on for anyone in particular. Um, and, you know, that's one thing why I respect Matt so much is he's, Matt's never once asked me for a dollar and he he's like the most loyal person to me. I, I don't even know why. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why Matt is so loyal to me. Um, but, like, Matt's awesome. But, um, yeah. So, so is that a, like a is that relationship through Hostile or did you know him previous to Hostile? Or? I, I didn't know Matt. Um, but, like, I always knew of Matt because he was, he's like a, I don't know, two, three years older than me. Yeah. And I actually had a caravan. My nan had a caravan at Sussex Inlet. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's where Jake and Matt grew up. Well, I know they grew up in that area. I don't know if it was exactly Sussex, but I used to see him down there. Yeah. And then I used to also watch him race at Sydney Superdome on RM85s. So, and I, and I'd go to state titles and watch them and, and all that sort of stuff. And back then it was like Jake and Matt Moss, um, Luke Stikes and Ty Simmons. Like, I think I was in Luke, I was in the same class as Luke and Ty, never on anywhere near their level, but I had to always race them. Um, but yeah, Matt and Jake were always like those, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, those guys sort of thing. And, um, but I used to see him on holidays and I'm like, oh, they're normal kids. Like, what the hell? Um. But I actually, one of my good mates, Jake, um, we lived together for about three years or something. Um, he is good friends with Matt and he they used to train together at um, McCleary's house. And uh, like Jake was actually living at MTF with Luke Clout and all that as well. Um, so he's, some of my relationships are through him as well um, from when he was racing. And I've been good friends with him for years. Um, he's one of my best mates so he we were actually at Appen one day and there was talks of it like oh why don't you sponsor Matt blah 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 I was like yeah I'd love to like and this is maybe a year or maybe two years after the ban um, and we were at Appen on the on the racetrack just riding one day and and Matt was there on the complete other side of the pits and he's like and I, I'm, I'm pretty reserved and I'm pretty shy um, and I'm not just going to go up and start talking to Matt Moss you know so Especially like when you're growing up and you looked up to him. Yeah, it's like kind of like a bit of an idol, yeah, yeah. Like a local idol, yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, Jake, Jake had spoke to him that morning. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm down for that. So, And then he rode back over the pits. He's like, yeah, man, come over with me. We'll go talk to him. So we, we spoke to him and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool as. And then I think, I don't know, like I'm speculating. Matt can answer this. But I think maybe because I was probably one of the people that was like, no, I would love to sponsor you while you're like, not because he's banned. I just yeah. always would. Matt's Matt. Yeah. <laughs> like he's nine time Australian champion. Why would you not want to sponsor him? Yeah, correct. Uh, I don't care if he's banned, not banned. Like Matt's, Matt's awesome. So, um, yeah, I was like, yeah, hundred percent. I was pumped. I'm like, yeah, Matt Moss wears my gloves. Like who would have thought when I was a kid seeing him at a car park on his mountain bike in Sussex that one day I'm going to sp sponsor him for gloves. Like <laughs> I would have never even thought of that. And, um, so I don't know if maybe maybe that's why like he's so loyal to me is because I've kind of tried to help him when everyone else kind of left him. Maybe I I don't know, um, but he's like Paris Supercross last year. His contract specifically said he has to wear bud gloves, and he messages me like I don't know a week out. Hey man, X 
Express ship these overseas. I'm not wearing this. I'm wearing your stuff. I've just told him. Too bad. You know, club deal. He's not meant to wear them. He wears them. You know, and then like everything. Empire. He's not meant to wear them. He wears them. <laughs> um, I don't know. Every every other deal besides a BBR deal is that he's not meant to wear hostile gloves. And he just, uh, Barak Suzuki, you know, wasn't meant to wear hostile gloves. Still wore them. Still wore them. He, he just tells me, he goes, no, nah, man, I've got this glove sponsor. I like these gloves. This is what I hold on to the bike with. This is what I'm wearing. I know, Matt. We're giving you a bike. You're not wearing this. And he's like, nah, nah, I am. <laughs> or, or like, you know, sometimes he's just like, yeah, all right. And then like two weeks later, he's wearing them. I get tagged in a video or something. I'm like, man, don't get yourself in trouble for me. Like, uh, I'm not important. Yeah, you know? it's, it's good to st- still see that there's lo- loyalty in our sport though because yeah. you'll see with a, like, you see it with a lot, lot of kids these days that they all just chase whatever someone's giving yeah. out there. Like you've probably seen it firsthand where someone will probably drop you and go, oh, I've got a, got a sponsor from someone else. They're giving me these gloves or they're giving giving me four more sets mm. of gloves than you are, so yeah. I'm going to start wearing their gloves. Like, yeah. it's good to see that there's still loyalty in it. Yeah, well, I think I think Matt's old school. Yeah. I think Matt understands that stuff like that. And then because I think maybe because me and Matt have so many mutual friends that he kind of trusted me, like, you know, because of Bait and Blanchett and, and Jake and, and, you know, we're f- you know we're friends of a lot of other people. Um, I think he kind of knew that I wasn't, you know, someone trying to stuff him or... Yeah. or or I don't know, like, you know. Trying to take advantage of him. Yeah, 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 like not trying to take advantage of him. And, you know, I think we just have a good relationship where he, he knows that I, you know, I work full-time, he works full-time, you know. Like, he's he's literally come to one of my jobs that I was working at Guy Mia Tafe. And I think it was when he was, when he just the next day he was flying out to America for the Bar X ride. Yep. And um, he's like, man, I need gloves, I need gloves, right, right, they're not going to get posted in time. And I know he lives out in the Shire way and, Guy Mears in the Shire. I was like, man, I'm working in Guy Mears tomorrow. I'll bring gloves to site. You know, can you swing past my job site? <laughs> <laughs> and then he swings past the job site on his way to his job. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, you know, I think, I think he, he understands how life thinks. So I think he kind of, you know, sees that. And then, and then like I sponsored Jake as well when Jake wants to ride. You know, whenever Jake feels like riding, man, I'm, I'm there. You know, and I think because they're so close, I think they appreciate that. Um, and then yeah, and just I think they they really trust Baden, and I think because um, of my relationship with Baden and everything, and and Baden knows like I'm pretty legit when I say I want to do something, I'll, I'll do it. Um, so I think yeah, that's that's probably why Matt's so loyal. But there is a lot of people that will um, up and leave you for you know ten percent of a better deal. And, and we ask. Ask Rage, we ask a lot of people. Yeah. How many people do you actually DM you going, hey, do you want to sponsor me? Like, is it a daily basis? It's daily, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I because think I'm such a small company that um, I feel like people think, people look at it in the complete opposite to how the business owner looks at it. Yep. As in, um, oh, you're such a small company, I've got more of a chance of getting free stuff. Where some, like, you know, a business owner is like, Hey, I'm a small company. I'm. I'm, I'm not making that much money. <laughs> I'm not making no money. Like I need help right now to get this business going. Um, you know, I need people to buy stuff. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. Um, yeah. So I think I think because I'm such a small business that you know people are like, oh, I've never heard of this. You know, and they don't. They're pretty small. Maybe I got half a chance or or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 
it's a catch-22 with the whole social media thing too. Um, I get endless amounts of free advertising. It also gives people the the platform to just DM me and ask for everything. What yeah. what would you look for in someone that you're going to sponsor and go, you know what, I want to help this kid out? Is it skill level, social media, presence or...? It's a, it's a bit of all the above. Um, social media is massive because I need to recuperate that product you know what i mean so if they can uh, regenerate that with sales that's a good business move for me um you know i look for it a lot in uh, like ethics and hard work they're two things that i that you know i try to live by and that's why i've got so much respect for jack nine being such a little kid um well he's not such a little kid i'm just because I'm a lot older, I'm saying <laughs> that. But um, like him and Mick and Claire, like and, and Rusty, that whole family, they work so damn hard. And I actually can't believe I still sponsor that kid. I don't know how he's not in some massive brand. Um, and, and I love like, and they're they're so loyal too. Like they're so good to me. That family, um, Mick has helped me out endlessly. You know, with deals and and getting more people in it and pushing it at the track and all that sort of stuff. But he's Jack is such a hard worker. Like when I was at that at uh, Nara that day watching the boys ride Supercross, everyone was having a break and Jack was the only one on track. So they'd done their motos and he just, I reckon he hit the whoops 40 times. And his dad's just there. And, and actually, I think Matt was there and Matt's screaming at him on the side of the track. <laughs> and, uh, and his dad's there like helping him as well. And they're like, all right, try this gear, try that gear, do this in the corner before, try this, commit to this, blah, blah, blah. And that kid just went back and back and back. And I think it was uh, me and... Um, Dylan's partner, um, Britt, we were standing there and I'm like, man, this kid just non-stop. Like, he's just a hard worker. And that, that makes me want to do more for him. Um, and, and, you know, like they're an awesome family too. The whole family's amazing. But, um, yeah, so there's, there's there's a lot of variance to, to sponsorship. Um, you know, how someone presents themselves and how they act as well. You know, I don't want, I don't want someone that's going to make the brand look bad. You know, it's like I said, it's your baby. And you don't want someone to deface that brand um, or, or give people the wrong impression of the brand. Um, so there's a lot of things like that. But I, I try and help out as many people as possible, whether it's just a 20% discount, 10% discount. Like I'm, I'll am i try and give... If someone puts a, enough effort in where they can, at bare minimum, give me a resume, I'm like, I'll give you at least 10%. Because yeah. right, you've... Gone to the effort to actually do something instead of just going, hey, can I get... A sponsor me or something yeah well i've had like dms it's like hey man i just bought a bike can i get a free set of gear <laughs> i'm like yeah I, I buy bikes too i don't even take gear off myself <laughs> like i'll wear the sample stuff that's like maybe a shade wrong color or or something that's like free <laughs> or not not free like i'm still buying it but yeah like, but it's not quality enough to sell yeah 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 and like and and another reason why i wear the sample stuff because if if something does happen to it no one watches me right yeah, you know, like if I'm just riding it up and or something or Nara, no one's like, you know, if I don't know, Reed Taylor's wearing a new set of gear and it falls apart or something. Yeah, you know, everyone's like, oh, look at that. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I can kind of fly under the radar and test some stuff. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm not even taking gear off the shelf. So yeah, um, what drove you to start getting into the goggle game? Goggles. Um, so the whole plan from day one was. To do more than gloves, yeah. Um, to do head to toe, like that's that's my goal. Um, goggles was the next step. From um, so obviously gloves, 
led into that, led into gear. The next step was um, goggles because helmet and boots is realistically probably 10 years away. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a massive step. Um, <laughs> so the goggles were the next step and uh, that I could afford sort of thing. And, and you know, even the R&D with goggles is quite serious too. And I didn't realise that until, until you start a business like this and I'm in this industry where then I start looking at like, I remember seeing on the Science of Supercross, the Kawasaki one, and they done goggles and i seen how oakley tests their goggles lenses and i was like whoa i didn't um i didn't realize that's how serious this is and um so yeah like i kind of jumped on the back of like a different design another design just because i can't afford the r&d that they are doing to do it myself so if i can jump on the back of another design and, and do my own tweaks and flares to that um you know i can have a goggle and then it's it's one more part of the piece sort yep. of thing. Um, so that that was just a whole ideology behind it. That's that's the goal as well as to be head to toe. So you, your ultimate goal is to what get helmet and boots or uh, as for product side of goals, um, yeah, that'd be to do everything to be like um, like Alpine Star, yep. Alpine Star or Fox. Um, I, I like a lot of what Alpine Star is doing. Um, and I feel like they've really come from not nowhere, but you know, besides Matt Moss and Dylan Wills, no one wore it in Australia six years ago. Yeah. Seven years ago, you know. Well, there, there were only really no one for their boots back then. Like, yeah. no, no one would really, like, a more European kind yeah, of exactly. style. People would be running it. No one in the States, Australia would run Alpine Star Gear. 100%. And then, like I said, it was only Matt. And then, um, you know, Matt obviously got Dylan the deal because they're good friends. And um, so they're the only two I ever remember wearing Alpine Stars, you know. And, um, and now you look at it and I'm like, man, that Alpine side of design is sick. Or like, they've just, you know, what they do with Jet and, you know, they've got Tomac, you know, Anderson, like they're, they're just wrapping everyone up. They're almost like the KDM of the gear brand now. Yeah. So what do you reckon your most popular item is? It'll be it'll be the black motocross pant, the Flex Series pant. Yeah. Like, so my website tells me that as well, with the details or whatever you, you can see from my point of view. Uh, that's the most sold product. Um I think just black's always going to sell. Um, and then because I, I am someone, and I'm sure people have noticed this as well, where uh, less is more and, and simplicity of things. Um, you know, I don't really have any designs that are super crazy. Um, so I think the black, you know, because if I feel like if you're, if, if you're a hostile customer or, or sponsored rider or something, you, you're kind of thinking the same thing where you don't want that out there. 40 colors on one jersey yep. sort of design yeah, so like the old school designs yeah, yeah yeah so i think um that's probably why the black's so popular um, yeah but th- those black pants are super popular man i think you know the price point's pretty fair you know and if you know if you feel them and see them you can understand it's quite fair um and yeah so that's that's the most popular product by far so i've bought two sets of gear for you now yeah and i've Feel like was the, gray, the gray and the FC gear, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're my two favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I feel like personally, the the most comfortable for me was there a lot of R and D in getting that to what you wanted, or did you go, hey, I want this gear, and that's what this kind of standard gear that that manufacturer was giving you? Um, a little bit of both. Yep. So they they had like a base. Um, they had a base that then I got samples from, and then we tweaked. So there is other companies in Australia using that base. 
Um, people probably don't know about that, but I do, and I'm sure he knows that we use the same supplier. Um, so our gear is very like it's a base model. If we have our own variations from that, um, but yeah, they they kind of sent me a base sample, and then we tweaked from that, and then I'm still tweaking it. Yeah, like um, I've got some samples coming for Jack to test out soon, just like a, a variation of the pant for the kids, um, just because I found you know a couple little issues with the kids' pants, not like enough now where it's okay. I got to kind of have a crack at changing this. Um, so yeah, it's like it's yeah. That's basically how it is. It was their base, and then we tweak from that and and find out what works, what doesn't. Because yeah, the thing I like about your gear is it's lightweight, but it still kind of feels like you're wearing something heavy. Like back in 2010, mm. all like Thor and everyone's gear was yeah. really really heavy, so you felt yeah. really protected. Yeah. And then kind of Stewart came in with the seven seven jersey and pants where everything was yep. real lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't real big keen on that because it felt like you weren't re- wearing anything. But with yours, you yeah. you still feel like your pants have got a bit of padding in them. Yeah. So, and but it, it's still lightweight at the same time. So yep. if you do downhill mountain biking or yeah, like yeah. anything like that, you can you not feel like you're re- restricted and real heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's all part of the construction. So I I try and use like it's called four way stretch. Yeah. Um, which a lot of the material. A lot of the, the construction of it is for, from four-way stretch. But then part of the construction, like I'll have like a nylon or a Kevlar or a leather and I'll put it, I try to put it in places where I feel like that's where the wear and tear is. And parts like say on your thigh, you know, you you don't really, in my whole riding life, I've never ripped a set of pants on the thigh, you know. And um, so that's where you use like all your four-way stretch. So, you, you know, when you get on and off the bike, you, you're not restricted lifting your leg over or, or you've got movement on the bike. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a, a combination of, um, putting the right materials in the right spot and, um, and that kind of gives you that, that feeling. So like I, my goal is to be, um, like a, that, that actually like a Vogue Air series is yep. like for the top rider, like a racer sort of deal. But obviously, you know, races, if you're, if you're racing full time and you're riding three, four times a week, you can wear through gear pretty fast. So you know, I try and um, accommodate for the where it would normally wear or, or where you need it a bit stronger. And I get feedback from myself, from people that are racing full-time, all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, so I think it's, like I said, it's just the one big combination of um, trying to make it, you know, lightweight where it needs to be and, and the right materials where it needs to be so that you get that feeling that you're getting. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not like you're wearing nothing, but it's still lightweight and flexible at the same time. Yeah, because obviously times are changing. As we yep. saw you, you guys had the Stark out there and you rode the Stark. How did you, yeah. how'd you find that? Ah, uh, that thing's pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I actually, like I'll give a shout out to um, DJ and Tyson from Nara because um, they invited me down to ride that because I, I sponsor uh, DJ now. Um, so yeah, it was, it was awesome to get invited down to ride that. Um, but that bike is, is something ridiculous. It's a, uh, it, it's odd, um, it's so good and so weird in so many different ways. And I think um, what that Aussie Moto's doing, um, who actually had the bikes, is you could um like sort of hire them. Um, that's like the best idea ever because they're not cheap. No, um, they're, I think I they're about close to twenty grand, aren't they? I think they are. Yeah, I think they're around that price point. Um, the the finish on those bikes though makes 
every other 450 look like yeah just real cheap <laughs> like just cheap and basic like so I, I i really like jap bikes that's just i just prefer to ride a jap bike um but you look at a like a kdm you compare a kdm to say a kawasaki 450 or a honda 450 they look very basic compared to the kdm the kdm is like they claim race ready um except for the forks yeah <laughs> this this stark is makes the kdm look like that yeah it looks race ready and the kdm looks like some farm bike you know that's the finish on it if, if you if you can understand like some of the engineering involved and and the design and stuff that bike is, is that's a beautiful bike do you think they'll take over from the motocross bikes i don't think so i i really don't think so yeah i think they will have their own class Kind of like Formula One, they're like they have a Formula E series and yeah, like the Premier the, Series. Yeah, yeah, and like how they got MX, I oh know, uh, the GPE, the Moto GPE or whatever. Yep. I think it's going to be like that. Because um, I was actually talking to Tyson, This I think I wrote it just after Adelaide and um, after Adelaide Supercross and me and Tyson were talking and I said, well, imagine a stadium full of e-bikes. Oh, it'd be like, horrible. I said, as, as tight as that track was at Adelaide, you could feel those 450s vibrating on the start line. You could hear it. You could smell the smoke from the 85 class, you know, like those two strokes. And if it's just all e-bikes, you you know, and, and this is what I actually said to someone. Imagine going to the drags and, and top fueler was electric. Like if you, if you ever sit on the grandstand and see a top fueler go down in, you know, how fast they go, like it shakes the whole grandstand and you feel it in your chest. You know, like that's that's what's exciting. Um, I think if you take that aspect out, you still have you know the racing and 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 the track and everything else that's exciting. But the sound and everything that, that helps create the vibe. Correct. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what they're doing with um, some of the the Ford F trucks. They're actually getting the V eight sound and putting speakers underneath the trays of really? the, the electric Fords <laughs> to try and give that sound. Oh, but yeah. I couldn't imagine a whole group of 40 riders at a start gate and then keep not hearing anything you know what i mean like yeah it'd be it'd be so weird it'd be good for the sport because you could have so many more tracks in neighborhood areas that yep. you wouldn't yep. make be able to make sound so i think it's good and bad for the sport because you can you know have more yeah. and more tracks that you can possibly ride your e-bike out and then you can go out further and ride a dirt bike mm. so well i think only only because say happens my local track I know for a fact the sound's not the issue, the dust. There's a new housing estate right near that and the dust floats and they're all on tank water. So that's the massive issue is not actually the sound. But I do, yeah, what you're saying is, is 100% correct though. you got a lot more chance of, of having tracks closer or, or say if Appen only allowed electric bikes, you know, in 10 years' time, that, that might be a problem is noise and then they can, they can run all electric or something like that. And um, one good point that Tyson brought up to me is that... Um, you know, because of the modes they have on that bike. So I think mode one, from memory, I think was 44 horsepower. Mode five was 80 horsepower. Far out. So, and you can change it on the fly. Yeah. When you're riding, you can head one to five. Um, so if you were someone racing nationals or, or like, you know, your East Coast series or your state titles or, you know, the Sunshine series or whatever's up here, um, if you're racing a 250, 450, you could lock that bike on each mode. Ah, yep, so they can't have, adjust it. Yep. So you could have one bike for, say, $19,000 or whatever, or you could have two KDM, a 250 and a 450 that's going to cost you nearly thirty. 
Do you know what I mean? So you could race out one bike. So you could almost race 250 and 450 class, but yeah. only have the modes as long. Yeah, so yeah. if there's some way, I don't know enough about them, but I'm sure there's a way you can lock them in a mode that you can't adjust it when riding. And as long as MA or whatever, whoever's sanctioning the race um, can confirm that, yep. then you could, it's for a privateer racing two bikes, you literally cut that out. Correct. You have one bike, um, you know, some of the maintenance is going to be higher, like your brake pads and your, your tires and stuff, but... Um, you know, I could imagine the rest of the maintenance is going to be a lot less, especially if you're on a 250. Yeah. But um, have you seen, changing the subject a little bit, have you seen those Sunrun bikes? Like they're... Oh, I've seen I've seen some, never seen one in... Oh, actually, I think I've seen someone riding around the pits at Nationals. On so I've got them up here on the screen for you. Yeah, they're actually... I think Jake Bowen has one, one of the guys I sponsor. I don't know if his is that brand, but it's almost... If it's not, it's identical. What, those are pretty sick, man. Like, I've seen guys yeah. hit them at skate parks. I've seen them do downhill. <laughs> like, I think that's a game changer, man. Like, yeah, like like I was saying to you, and it's cool, though, because you could wear your gear, you can have it at motocross, or you can get mm-hmm. one of these and then go downhealing on one of these. And you know how much better, like, everything's going to get with these... Because they're, they're not that heavy either. Yeah, these They're only 58 kilos. Really? Yeah. Wow. That is that is very light, especially compared to the Stark. Like a Stark's heavier than a 450. Yeah. But that that's crazy. Like they're, I feel like they're the exact, like if a mountain bike and a 450 had a baby, like that's it. Like they're smack bang in the middle. Um, yeah, they are super cool. I'd love to ride one. Like in like I'll just go through a couple of them. Like look at the designs of these things. They're like they're Yeah, that actually, one looks a bit look like a bit more like a motocross bike, that one. Yeah, like and I've seen I've seen them in skate parks and then doing massive Is that one carbon fiber? Yeah. Is that a carbon fiber frame? Wow, that's, that's oh, unless it's just a carbon fiber wrap. Yeah, but, it could be, yeah. yeah. But it, those things are sick, bro. Like i like and it's not too bad. Like look at that. Three three, three and, and a half grand. Yeah, that's not too bad, eh? <laughs> so I think that's gonna be a game changer too. Mm, yeah, yeah, um, I do. Do Especially you, with skate parks and like um, trail riding and stuff, that would definitely be, yeah. Like and especially like when if you've got like a downhill track near houses, yeah, and you could actually use these and make good jumps and do free yep. riding and everything like that, and yep, you yep. won't get into trouble with anything other, other than like we said dust. But yep. at the end of the day, like you can't really control the dust everywhere. No, nah, well, it's, if it's not an open track and it's in the trails or something like that, you know, all the trees are going to catch that. It's not really going to float. Yeah, they 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 will be a game changer, I think, for sure, especially in that market. Yeah. Do you do you reckon they'll use that in freestyle? I've seen Jay do a double on the Stark. On the Stark. Yeah, he was trying triples too. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. <laughs> that'd be a lot of weight to get all the way around, and like it would be hard to try and stop that momentum once you got it going. I think that's going to be their problem is trying to stop at three. I think. Um, because even like on on that Stark, you can you can really see all that bike in the air. Um, I the day I rode it was pretty windy and and you know like like I obviously got two jobs so I wasn't um, doing anything crazy. I was kind of leaving that up to DJ that day. Um, but yeah, it was very you could really see it because um, the way they explained it to me was that rear wheel there's no limiter. So on a 450, for instance, you, you're starting nosedive, you know, you're on the limiter, it can only bring it back so far because then, you know, it's, it's hit limiter. Correct. So you're done sort of thing. Um, there's no limit on that rear wheel on the Stark. Like that's just going to spin and spin and spin and it's it's ridiculous how fast that wheel can turn. Um, so because of that, you can literally kind of seesaw the bike through the air. And I think for freestyle that will help because um, to add to that as well, that the brakes on that Stark are... 
like nothing I've ever ridden. Like it, that thing stops like a car. It's it's actually ridiculous how well that thing stops. Um, yeah, I think I think they're going to be good for freestyle because even though they are heavier, like not not these, but the Starks, it doesn't feel heavy when you ride it. It just feels exactly like a four fifty, um, and that's what the boys are doing freestyle on is a four fifty. Yeah, uh, if it's not a two stroke. Um, but yeah, so I think I reckon Jo's up to no good on it. <laughs> I think he's got plans and and. From when we used to work together for a long time, he's he's always thinking so far ahead. And then I'd put Jaya with Pastrana. Yeah, you know they, they two nutcases. Yeah, they come up with some pretty out there ideas and they pull them off. But um, yeah, I think it's it's in good hands with Jo and Sheeny. Yeah. Before we wrap up, what's next for Hostile? Next, um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just you know, I just want to sponsor more people. Um. I want to see it grow in that aspect. Like I love it when when I get to sponsor someone new, um, and and for this Supercross season, I picked up so many people, and it's so awesome to see like so many people at Supercross wearing it, um, and or then just going to like the local track and seeing it is kind of humbling, uh, especially when you don't know them. So uh, yeah, just just growing in general. Like I would love, I would love for it to be a full time job. Um, and then to just to add on that, I would love to um, create work for, you know, friends and family. Yeah. So, you know, like my old man's been in and out of work just, you know, for reasons out of his control. Um, you know, I would love to just give him a job and just say, like, even just be like, hey, man, can you just build the two strokes that I like riding? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, he's a mechanic. Um, but, yeah, like it would be awesome if, if it got that big that, you know, like, my partner wouldn't have to go to work. She could just pack orders and do whatever, yep. you know, admin for, I don't even know, you know. Customer care and everything like that. Yeah, whatever it might be. Like, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'd just love to have, you know, like mates that are, you know, family and friends that, you know, it's, you know, I'm not saying they want to work, do that, but if it if they'd prefer to do that than busting themselves on a trade or or, you know, just, just give something to my family, like my parents can have a full-time job or something yep. and, and I can support them through them helping me, you know, and, and like say, you know, I'm not saying that my missus wants to uh, work <laughs> for Hostile, but I'm sure it's, you know, she'd probably prefer to do that than um, work where I work. Um, yeah, that, that that would be, that that is a goal. Like I would love, absolutely love that where, you know, friends and family can, can work full-time and, you know, I could just work with, people around me sort of thing that that's that's that is a goal yeah perfect from all the motocross community thanks for helping us out man like there's not a lot of people that actually give back to us Mm. Uh, a lot of people that we found out kind of want to just take everything from our sport and make the money and disappear so it's Mm. good to see that there's still guys like you that want to put back into the sport so thank you very much no that's cool I, i appreciate that and thank you for that like it's it's good to uh it's good to have a platform like this to you know, just kind of, you know, because no, no one knows me. Like, I'm a no one. So, <laughs> it's just good for people to maybe see. And, and I'm sure in an hour, you know, people still don't know me. You no. know, but they can at least know that, you know, my head's in the right spot for this brand and, and this sport. Like, I'm I'm trying pretty hard to to do something in Australia with motocross, you know. And um, I just, I love, you know, I love seeing people wear it and, and just trying to, you know, help help privateers and stuff and you know it's just 
it's good and it's it's yeah it's good to have something like this where i can maybe more people will hear about it and mm. you know just it's just more support for me and yeah i appreciate all of it yeah no one needs to buy my product like no one needs to even like it but for some reason some people do so it's it's because it's, it's a good product i'm not saying <laughs> that because i've got you on there like <laughs> i've had a lot of gear and i'm saying it is a good product so yeah. Um, head over to hostelhandware.com if you want to buy some of Jay's product. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming that. in. Easy, man. Thank you for having me.